Super Bowl 57. Here we go. Kelsey at the bottom is going to come in a little short motion. Mahomes looking that way, throwing that way. Kelsey got it. Touchdown. Hurts has all day loaded up, taking a shot, looking for A.J. Brown. He's got it. Touchdown. Hurts on a quarterback draw. Nowhere to go. The ball is loose. Sitting on the turf. It's picked up by Bolton. No one in front of him is going to score. They're almost impossible to beat if they protect the ball. You'll see there Nick Bolton, number 32. He gets the strip, the fumble recovery, and the touchdown. Now Hurts on the keep. Has a seam, and Jalen Hurts is in for the touchdown. His second rushing touchdown today. Pacheco right up the gun and in. Touchdown. Just the second punt of the day for Philadelphia. Here's Sipos. Low sinking kick. Tony on the run. Still up on his feet. Tony has a wall. It's another block. Tony inside the 20. Tony still going and he's down to the five. It's coming. Mahomes. Man wide open. Touchdown Chiefs and Skymore. Hurts. Some time going deep. Got a man to Montez Smith. He's got it. He is out of bounds at the one. First and goal. They try to shove Hurts over the end zone, waiting for a signal. He's in. Touchdown, Eagles. And now they have to go for two for the tie. You would think. Hurts looking for a block, and he gets there. He's in. We're tied at Super Bowl 57. Butker up, got it. Here we go. Hurts has all day. Now some rushers come. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. Highlights courtesy of Fox and what's up and welcome in to the Captain J Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. With Courtney Cronin in for Cap, I'm Jay Hood. As we have our Super Bowl hangover show and Chicago Bears, you are on the clock now that the Super Bowl is over. Chiefs win over the Eagles 38 to 35 as we go to the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Alex Brown joins us here. The great Alex Brown, former Saint, uh, with us here on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. How you doing? Good, man. You were in the Super Bowl once, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long long time ago. Long time ago. Good morning. Uh, Courtney, right? Yeah, that's right. Morning, Alex. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Because I I ain't messing with Jay Hood. (laughs) Jay Hood, he always doing something. (laughs) And I know he's going somewhere with that. I ain't going to let him. Uh I just want to get your thoughts about what happened, sir. I mean, (laughs) 38-35. And, and, you know, Alex is as good as I think we all thought it was going to be. Courtney, you laid it out. Offense, defense, right, for mm-hmm. both teams? Number one for the Chiefs offensively. Defensively, the Eagles were – they looked, they didn't look like the number one defense by yeah. the end of the game, but they were going in. <laughs> so what are your overall thoughts on what you saw, Alex? What would you like? Well, um, when you have a – we have a really, really good quarterback, um, something – a generational quarterback, it really doesn't matter about the defense, honestly. And the – or the team, because uh, when you look at – that Super Bowl that you referenced that I played in, um, I 
still believe how many ever years later that we had the best team was special teams defense and then our offense scored um, 27 points a game. I still think we had the best team, but when you have a generational quarterback back then, it was Peyton Manning. Now it's Patrick Mahomes. You can never count them out. And I think that's what general managers are looking for when they're looking for that upper echelon type quarterback is somebody that can go win you a football game. And I think that's what we saw in the Super Bowl. You saw Patrick Mahomes, not 100%. You saw him go win a football game. And I don't believe, I don't think anybody believes, that they had the best team. The best team doesn't always win. Um, We've seen that countless times. Um, The New York Giants, both Super Bowls they've won over the last 15 years, I think, they didn't have the best team at that time. But they were playing the best, and they won that day. So when you have a dominant quarterback, a quarterback that is in that upper echelon, you got a chance in any time, and when it's just one game, yeah, you 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 put your money on that on that guy, and he came through for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I think most people would say that the that the Philadelphia Eagles were the more complete team, and particularly yeah. for that pass rush, and you didn't see it much in the second half. I know that the grass has been an issue. As a, take me through this as a as a defensive lineman. How tough do you think that that made the circumstances of trying to get a pass rush off, of being able to get out of your stance and rush the quarterback? Like how how much did the grass affect what the Eagles were not able to do in the second half? You just what you do, you um you adjust, and I think uh, at some point in that game you saw where they showed. Um, Jalen Hurts, he changed his cleats. That's what you do. You go change your cleats. You get longer cleats if you need them. You go change and then you adjust to it. Now, if you go out pregame, then you have a good feeling for what type of cleat you need on that particular surface. So that isn't an issue. So you can't lean on that um, saying why we didn't get to the quarterback. I didn't get to the quarterback because the quarterback was throwing the ball fast and guys were wide open. And frankly, um, the defensive coordinator that's about that is on the verge of getting a head coaching job was like severely outcoached by Eric Bieniemy and that uh, offensive coaching staff. And I hate saying that because Matt Nagy's on that staff, but <laughs> that's beside the point. But um, I, I think they were just outcoached, and um, they they did things where they got information from what the defense was doing. On both touchdowns, the one to Scott Moore and the one to Kadarius Tony, they saw it on second down. And then on third down, it was a touchdown because they ran the same defense. And that is all. And the reason it bothers me is that is all that we wanted from Nagy was to see the same play, but give me a different play. Like see the same look to the defense, but give me a different play. And that's exactly what they were doing against Philly in that second half. And that's why these guys, Scott Moore and Kadarius Tony, were running wide open because they schemed. I'm talking about in, in-game scheming, not waiting till halftime. This is between plays. It was second down, and then on third down, they ran the exact same uh, formation, and they were able to get a touchdown out of it. And that is, that is a coach. That is being able to adjust on the run to what you're being shown um, if you're an offensive coach on the defense. So as far as the pass rush, I think they were – they weren't getting off the ball um, as fast because Patrick Mahomes wasn't holding the ball very long. And that offensive line is pretty good. You look at the teams that the Eagles played. Now, they were dominant throughout the year, but they hadn't played Patrick Mahomes. Um, so 
I think this was just a, a really, really – I mean, it's a generational quarterback that they faced, and they lost. That's, that's what I think it was. The great Alex Brown with us here on Cap and J. Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So, Alex, when you look at the Eagles, um, mm-hmm. they were able to – uh, dominating first downs, their down conversions, plays overall, passing yards, total yards, time of possession, everything except the final score. And when I see the Eagles, I thought that Jalen Hurts outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Those numbers and the way he was able to distribute the the, uh, the football to receivers and the way they ran the football, I thought it was fantastic. What did you think of the Eagles, their whole game plan offensively against the Chiefs? No, I thought it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they didn't plan on – Hurts fumbling and giving up a touchdown there because I think that was the difference in the game. At that point, they were up 14-7, to and they're driving. If they go down the field and score, it's 21-7. It completely changes that ball game. And actually, what Courtney's saying comes into play because then I think you would have to have Patrick Mahomes drop back into five-step drops and push the ball down the football field because, you, because you're down two scores at that time. So at two touchdowns. But because it never really got out of hand that way and he didn't have to do it, the pass rush, that daunting pass rush that they have where they get to the quarterback at a historic rate this year, it just never came into play. So I think the Eagles are a really, really good football team. They just ran into a bus, saw in Patrick Mahomes, and they weren't able to get it. But I'm with you. Without those last two touchdowns, I was sitting here at the house um, watching it and had some friends over, and I was talking about it. Like, it might be the first time we see – if, if uh, let's say they ran the ball in and Patrick didn't throw any touchdowns, you might have to give it to the losing quarterback because he like he outplayed Patrick completely. And now you got the touchdown to Kadarius, and you get the touchdown to Scott Moore. And it's like, whoa, okay, all right, Patrick is padding these numbers a little bit, so he's probably going to get it if they win. But at some point, at a at a later point in that game, you could see where like, wow, like Jalen Hurts is really outplaying Patrick Mahomes. So, and that was Patrick Mahomes is going against their defense and their defense is ranked number one in a lot of categories. And then you look on the flip side, Jalen Hurts is going against a defense that was ranked, what, 30, 31 in a lot of categories. They, they weren't very good, but they made plays when they needed to. And that's what you need in a, a one-game type of deal. What changed with the Chiefs' pass rush in the second half? I know they go from having no sacks in the first half, couldn't contain Jalen Hurts, to sacking him twice. The pressure rate nearly doubles in the second half. What adjustments was Spags making up front so they were able to get after the quarterback? You know, I I don't think they did. I I don't think they made an adjustment. I think they actually got – technically they got two sacks, but they got one because Jalen Hurts scrambled and he just didn't get across the line of scrimmage on one and the guy ran him out of bounds. I don't – I mean, it's a sack. It goes out in the record books. If you look Monday morning, you look at it, you're like, oh, they got two sacks. Well, that sack I don't really count. So they got one in the second half. They got none in the first. I don't think they changed anything. Um, the guys played more sound. They they tackled. Um, but they didn't really do a whole lot different. The Eagles made mistakes. And when you do that against really good football teams, especially a team that has been there before, in the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and a lot of other guys on that team that have won um, now two Super Bowls, but have won one during that game. Like they don't, they don't allow you to, to I guess um, take that mistake back, right? They they make you pay for it. They make you pay for those mistakes. And I think the biggest mistake in that game was that fumble. And when it happened at fourteen to seven, 
and they tie the ball game. And now that side of the football field is thinking it's a tie ball game. We have Patrick Mahomes, whereas the other side is like everything is going right for us. It's a tie ball game. <laughs> so, so you start to – a little doubt starts to creep in. And they, they went on down and they took a 10-point lead and all that. But you just knew Patrick wasn't going away. That offense, they're not going away. Eric being in me, um, they're not going away. So um, the best team, I don't think, won. But the best team Sunday won. James Bradbury admits to holding on that play against Juju mm-hmm. Smith-Schuster. I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. He's a big game, um, and it was it was a hold, so they called it. As stand up for him to be in front of the press and says, "Yeah, yeah, I, I held him." What'd you think of that last play? Was that holding should have been called in that spot? As a defensive player, um, I hate it, but <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's holding, but. It is holding. It it takes. Did it um, impede the receiver's route? Sure, and that's what pass interference is. That's what holding. Is. So yeah, he yeah he held him. Do they let things like that go? Sure, don't let it go or let the little ones go. Now when you start to let the little ones go, it the I guess the ref's um, judgment comes in the call. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a judgment call. It should be. It should be no gray area. It's either a penalty or it's not. That's it. And if you call it that way, then nobody gets upset because you've been calling it that way all year. If you've been letting that go or you've been letting that go in the first and second quarter or the first half of the game, and then the second half you start calling it, well, then that's when people get up in arms about stuff. So I think it was a hold. Um, Bradbury coming on and saying, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, hold, I held him. Like, okay, great. I mean, I didn't need him to come out and say it. I watched it. So like, I watched it. You did hold him. And everybody in Philly is upset about it, saying in that particular moment, you can't make the call. Well, is it a hold? If it's a hold, then he has to make the call. That's his job. He's supposed to make that call, regardless of if it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter or whatever. He's supposed to make whatever the call is, and that's what he did. I, I think the game played out the way it was supposed to play out, um, and Philly just came out on the short end of the stick. Alex, we're glad you stopped by, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, it was a hell of a Super Bowl. It didn't go the way I wanted to, but they, Mahomes and the Chiefs get it done. They win again. Two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. man. That's pretty pretty special. Hey, two Super Bowls, two MVPs. Man, oh, what could have been Chicago? Wow. Hey, Courtney, don't let him. Hey, just give him a go Gators um, when I get off of here, okay? okay no, no, no. She's not doing that, and she's not taking requests. Get out of here, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, go go Gators. You. All right, that's enough of you. Alex Brown with us here on the uh, Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Don't worry, the Car X Is Mahomes the face of football? Also coming up, Courtney and I will discuss Bears. Captain J. Hood, morning 7 to 10. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's Home for Sports. Cap and Jay Hood 
Weekday mornings at 7 here on ESPN 1000. Streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. We're with you till 10 o'clock. Then it's Greenberg. Mike Greenberg from 10 to noon. Carmen and Yurko from 12 to 2. Well and Sylvie 2 to 6. Bluck and Abdallah from 6 to 8. Right into Freddie and Fitzsimmons from 8 until midnight. All part of the mix right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Good morning, Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Thanks so much for watching our show and keeping the conversation going on Twitch. So we saw Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he was fantastic. Some thoughts here from Andy Reid, the head coach for Kansas City, talking about Patrick Mahomes after their Super Bowl victory. Uh, I told him I love him, man. I'm proud of him for uh, leading the way there. And this started all the way back, um, you know, in the preseason. So uh, in the offseason program, he's a humble kid, man, and he works his tail off and uh, as a coach, you, you respect and you respect everything that he he does there. It, it's completely different. That first time, I didn't even know how great winning a Super Bowl was, and then to deal with the failure of the last two years, losing a Super Bowl, losing the AFC Championship game in overtime, um, I appreciate this so much more, man. And I'm proud of those guys that that, that play with me. You think about some of the stats, and we have it in front of us, Courtney, about where Patrick Mahomes is, and I know that there will be some listening to us that will say this is a prisoner of the moment. But again, within the first six seasons, whether you're talking about football, basketball, whether we're talking about baseball or the National Hockey League, Patrick Mahomes, multiple championship round MVPs. He walks with Tom Brady, with Tim Duncan, with Magic Johnson, with Joe Montana and Bobby Orr. I mean, all-time greats in their sport. Multiple championship round MVPs. This is what Mahomes has done. In last year, 2022, won the regular season MVP, won the Super Bowl MVP, led the NFL in passing touchdowns and also passing yards. Uh, Only three players have done that in his whole career. It's Kurt Warner, it's Peyton Manning, it's Tom Brady. And Mahomes did that all in one season. It's really spectacular. And at 27 years old, too, he's not even truly in the thick of his prime yet. Maybe just entering it. Quarterbacks kind of have that age from 28 to maybe 32 where you see them ascend, but he's already hit. He's already at the peak of his ascension. Like how much it's crazy to think how much more he can go and where he can go from here. Three Super Bowl trips in five seasons. He's a mainstay at the States. The Chiefs are. And to win two of those Super Bowls in his first five seasons, that puts him in elite company. And knowing that he joins Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and doing that, I think we can. We all know where he is in the mix there. If you're using those three quarterbacks as the litmus test of, of quarterbacks who have accomplished that, he's. You said this earlier. Like he's got a long way to go to climb the mountaintop to get to Brady. No question. But there are quarterbacks he has already surpassed. Even some who may have a better right now win loss record in the Super Bowl. Than, than him that I think you can absolutely put Patrick Mahomes in that top five category, given what we've seen, not just last night, but the totality in the start of his career. Let's not forget where the Chiefs were before they drafted him in 2017. They're the bottom of the NFL. We were talking with Mitch Holtis, who's their announcer yeah. on, on the Wolf, and he <laughs> used the analogy of they were plankton on the... Plates in the Titanic getting it, meaning they were the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's a very creative analogy, and I had to like think about it for a second. They were nothing. They were worse than the worst. They were you know, a two-win team 
for a number of years. They had a lot of off-the-field issues. And to think about what happens when you bring Andy Reid in, you bring Patrick Mahomes in, you have a smart draft strategy that's not just thinking about one year. It was thinking about the long term. And for Patrick Mahomes to be the apprentice to Alex Smith for one season and then take over and find success right away, you don't see transformations like that all that often. Really, maybe I'm using the wrong word. Maybe transformation's not the right way to describe that because there was nothing that he came back from early on, like a Jalen Hurts who goes from year two really looking like he might not be the guy to 100% cementing himself as the future in Philadelphia. There was no question about Patrick Mahomes from the day he started as the starter of the Chiefs. Well, I had questions about him in college. Because in college, I, because, sure. I, because I thought that he was just a wild Bronco because Play, it, playing in an air raid system. Yeah, that's fine. It just it was just crazy at Texas Tech because I thought, okay, can he be able to harness his offense and be able to just play within an Andy Reid system? Mm-hmm. That was a question because it was wild. Watch him in college; he's all over the place. He's running like Brett Favre did when he first came into the league, and then he was able to harness himself. But let me just go back. Mitch Holtis works where? Where do you say the Wolf? That's the that's the station in Kansas City. You know that's like their that's their guy that's their um, the wolf the said. mascot yeah what do I what's wrong with that just does that not sound weird to you the wolf yes I, it's like one oh six five the wolf I just I remember saying it four times when we were talking to him on Saturday <laughs> the wolf okay. that's their mascot that stands underneath the goalpost yes. and smashes his head into it when Harrison Butker's kick goes doink off the left upright uh, what what you just laid out for us is that we've run out of sports radio names. If it's called the wolf, the wolf, the fan, yes, I think sports nut, <laughs> the wolf. No one's created. We've lost all creativity. The, the, the wolf. But you know what? Here's you go. Here you go, Shay. You wanted an answer to why, and, and Courtney was part of this conversation as well. If you remember, like a week or two ago, remember, Shay, you asked a question about why people are into the NFL. Remember you asked that question? Yeah, horrible officiating, ancient technology, half the games are blowouts. Obviously, that doesn't apply to last night, but it does. It makes me wonder. So much of this league is terrible. Why do we love it so much? Okay, you want an answer? This conversation is the answer. This conversation is the answer, and here's why it is. We're talking about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, and we're talking about he already is a top-five quarterback. Now, you can't grade football on the curve like you can the NBA. When we talk so much about LeBron James, is he the best, is he better than Jordan, all that nonsense, right? What do people say typically in the NBA, especially the old heads? What do they say? All this game, all this hand checking, all these, we got more 50 point games than we, we can do with. I mean, it's too, too much scoring, right? Not enough defense, not enough, and not enough, uh, you know, too much offense and not enough defense. That's what they say about the NBA. So when you think about the NFL, Courtney, this is one of the few sports where you could say, you know what, it's not like it used to be. Well, wait a minute. Football is football. You could say that, that, Basketball's changed. You can say baseball's changed. They're going to switch back now. We won't have the, uh, the shifts defensively anymore. But here's football. This is the answer, Shay, the way it lays out. You can't look at Patrick Mahomes and say, well, he's not as good as this guy because football is football. The quarterback position is the same. Offensive line, weapons, you have an organizational structure. That's the same. Basketball's changed. Baseball's changed a little bit. But football stays the same. That's why people like it. It's not changed. That's the answer. The consistency element. Yep, yep. Even within the inconsistencies of the officiating, because we can expect the inconsistencies because the inconsistencies are consistent. That's exactly right. How about that? You just about played that? 3D chess with me That's on a Monday. Good. That's very good. I'm not even lighting incense. That was pretty good. <laughs> At this poetry slam that Courtney Crone's doing. Uh, but, but, but there is the answer. How about that, Shay? 
That's fair. Would you would you agree with that or not? Because yeah. because you said, well, why do people watch? It's because you can look at Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or guys in the past in the 60s and 70s. Football has not changed. Greatness is what it is in the NFL. I think a part of it, too, is not only the consistency of it, like you know what you're going to get, but also the FOMO that comes with everything happens on Sunday. And Monday morning, you better have watched because people are going to be talking about what happened. Whether it's last night, the end of the game, whether it's Rihanna doing halftime pregnant, whether it's some commercial that you saw, something is going to be at work today that's going to be talked about, and you better have been there or you're going to be left out of the conversation. I think that's a huge part of it, too. Yeah, I just, I'm just telling you, Courtney, just listen to anyone at any age who comes up to you and says, you know, Courtney, that NFL, it's not like it used to be. Now, there's always been questions about officiating forever. Mm-hmm. But who says that? But you hear it in the NBA, don't you? Here in Major League Baseball. Different eras. Yeah. That, that's brought up more in the NBA with the LeBron and Michael Jordan comment. You know, that one was, I heard of that a lot last week. Yeah. Imagine if LeBron didn't have load management. If, imagine LeBron going against the 90s Pistons. All of that talk, you're right, yeah. is, it feels more contained to, you know, the way that basketball has evolved over the years. I will say I do hear the scoring thing though a lot that football yeah like especially with with it being down this year that it's all over the place the one thing you do one thing you hear that's different in terms of people you talk to from different eras it's skewed more towards offense now that's yeah. that's where it's changed but the overall the body of work of football itself since it was you know since I was covering in the pre seventies you know merger era yes I remember that um, you had a little hat that said press on it <laughs> I was the first woman in the locker room <laughs> okay a pioneer but that I on was. top there as I well I broke the glass ceiling all by myself I think um, Chris Berman knows that too Croden locker room I remember the women's lib. <laughs> you were saying better than half Susan B. Anthony's birthday, no less. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Susan B. Anthony, no less. Coronan, first one in the locker room. I wasn't allowed, I don't know, but it was great. Scoring back then was not what it is now. I'll put it that, at that, at least in terms of how it skewed towards offense. And I know this was a down year for it. Mm-hmm. It was nice that we capped off the year, though, with a high-scoring game. I think the over-under was at 51 yesterday. Yeah. If you hammered the over and you did it early on, that was smart. All right, coming up, we have the worst weekends. We get a chance to vote on the poll at ESPN 1000. Who had the worst weekend? That's coming up next. Two African-American quarterbacks starting against each other in the Super Bowl for the first time fittingly. February 12th is Abe Lincoln's birthday. Here we go with the highlights. On Cap'n J-Hood. Here's today's headlines Headlines. with Cap'n J-Hood. Good morning, Chicago. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last night. By the score of 38-35, Patrick Mahomes received his second Super Bowl MVP award. The Colts plan on hiring Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as the next head coach. Northwestern, no cats? No, go cats. Northwestern got their first win over a number one uh, program. Think about that. The the first time winning uh, against Purdue and the first time winning against a number one program in their history? 64-58? That's amazing. A lot of losing before then. Yeah, it was. You're right. On Cap and J-Hood. Cap and J-Hood are back. And you know this, man. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Swept by the Pirates. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some 
departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. Falling in an outhouse? Or maybe a dose of instant karma? The evidence would lead me to believe that he did not break the plane before getting rid of the ball. And who knows what's going on inside that helmet? It's time to find out who had the worst weekend on Cap'n J Hood. It's the Cap'n J Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You get Mike Greenberg coming your way at 10 o'clock. But first, here's Worst Weekends. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? All right. So we, for a first time, I think, ever on Worst Weekends, we're going to have three different people that come from the same story. So okay. the first person involved in this story is the National Football League for spending $800,000 on experimental grass that they cultivated for two years in preparation of this Super Bowl, all for it to be a slip and slide. That is just insane. I am disappointed in the National Football League because, hey, maybe some fans look at athletes as just, hey, this is the guy that I spend my time working on fantasy football or just on gambling. But these are human beings, and they should be able to be treated as such. They're great athletes. Give them a platform in which they could perform without having to slip and slide. This is it's so insane. The NFL. Under this Roger Goodell administration, so many black marks, so many question marks. But that right there on your grandest stage, you do that. You have that kind of surface. Disappointing. It took two years to grow this grass, and that's the best they could do. (laughs) I understand the paint is what makes it a slippery surface, but I don't think the paint is what caused all of those divots that you saw them frantically trying to fill after Rihanna's halftime set was lifted off the field and they were getting ready for the second half. This is this is what we know the NFL to be, though. They don't really... It's player safety and name only. They like to bloviate about it. They like to pump their chest in press conferences saying, we're at the forefront of this. Look at the Pro Bowl. No concussions. Like All of those things are marks for them. They're notches in their belt. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, like think about how this season started. Bears, Chiefs preseason game where you've got the former you know uh, the head of the nflpa in the on the players side calling out the league saying we demand to play on better surfaces this is unsafe and then to end the season you have a controversy over the grass not a surprise though. coming it's the NFL. full circle yeah it's not a surprise would it being the nfl All right, that's one candidate. Give us another. Same story. The next group, Oklahoma State University, who took to Twitter. The Super Bowl is being played on hashtag OK State Turf Grass. See what ESPN has to say about the special variety of turf. Here are the first couple replies. Embarrassing. When do you decide it's time to shut a university down? Well, Mike Gundy wouldn't play on that, would he? Hell no. No shot. (laughs) Get that grass away. We don't need that for the Cowboys. Even the great Mike Gundy, who's, you know, he's a man, he's 40, I think 50 now. But the the idea that they'd play on that, absolutely not. Again, I don't see that surface on on Saturdays. Can't do it. Absolutely not. On Sundays, on the grandest stage, of course. How about Oklahoma State? Are they supposed to say that, by the way? Yeah, why would you freely admit to that? They posted this at 548, so about 18 minutes after kickoff, they put this out there for everybody to know, and it was a downhill slide from there. Mm. I, just knowing the issues with turf, grass turf, whatever it is, whatever the playing surface is, I would have used some discretionary methods to maybe wait a little bit to see if the grass would have held up. Just knowing the history with the NFL and what we've seen, particularly this season. Don't know why they just don't go to Roger Bossert from the White Sox. He's the best. 
I strive for my lawn to look like grant, uh, guaranteed rate, and it just never it'll never be. That, like that's that. a good point. NFL should hire Major League Baseball groundskeepers to do this, especially for the Super Bowl. How about that? Do they spray paint the grass green though for the World Series the way they do the <laughs> grass think, for the I think Super that Bowl? a lot of stadiums in baseball may spray paint the grass green regardless. I think I've heard that. Not a guaranteed rate. Yes. They don't oh, do that. Brown. That, that, they don't do that for the White Sox. Are you kidding me? That thing's immaculate. Absolutely not. No spray painted lot. Looks like a carpet. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like the, your uh, outdoor patio. <laughs> Has it like the little, the little fake grass? <laughs> That's what they use. All right, so we got two on that. What's the third choice? The final person involved in the grass, uh, the sod father, the man who has been the groundskeeper for all 57 Super Bowls. I have some before and after headlines. Okay. Pre-Super Bowl from the New York Times. All hail the god of sod, groundskeeper for all 57 Super Bowls. A feature on him because this was the last game he was going to work. He retired after the game yesterday. Here's the after headline from the Daily Mail. Super Bowl fans take aim at 94-year-old NFL groundskeeper George Doma as players struggle to stay on their feet on slippery Arizona turf. The sod father drops the ball in the last game of a legendary career. Well, you know, here's the thing about George Toma. I was actually seeing the video of this, Cordy. I don't know if you saw the video, but I saw this. And there's Toma out there with his walker, and he had the uh, tennis balls underneath just for, for balance. Mm-hmm. He took one step out there with his walker, with the tennis balls underneath, and he said, yeah, that's fine. And then left. That's why it sucked. Because for a guy that's been doing this all these years, right? He's always he was taking a look at it, making sure it's good. He used to walk on it, but because he's ninety-four, he doesn't have the same effort anymore. So he just walks out there, one step. Yeah, good. And and leaves. You want the? I mean, it's it's good for walking with it with a walker because you want the walker to slide, right? So he <laughs> no, he, he moved <laughs> he moved efficiently. For his means. Yes. So yes. he just didn't apply that to the guys who were out there testing it with, like, you know, very long cleats. <laughs> That's why. See? Now, we can, we can exalt and we can celebrate the old-timer for being there for every Super Bowl. But after a while, the eye's not there anymore. Just say it. I'm not being ageist. I'm just telling you that it's important for that field to look good. And you've got an old Toma out there trying to be able to take a look. He doesn't know anymore. He's 94. What's that? Is that digging? Ice skates. <laughs> it, was like an, it was like an ice rink out there. Yeah. Did I want to watch the Hawks or did I want to be able to watch the Super Bowl? Seriously. That's it. So that's how it goes. The Stanley Jay. Cup last night. 94 years old. What do you think he's going to say? Right? Well, he's on his way out. Oh, yeah. yeah well, clearly. But I'm just saying, retired. Yeah. No, retired. retired. Let's be reasonable. He retired after the game yesterday. That's all we meant. No, I think that you meant that he's on his way out of here, out of this world, out of being a groundskeeper. Yeah. Right. Apparently, Dead. he prepared fields for 37 Pro Bowls. Not that that matters. Every Super Bowl, like you mentioned, but also several World Series. Which ones? Have uh, there have there ever been any sod issues at the World Series? Uh, no, but he's. I think it's the 60s. I think that's when the. That's Different a, I, era of grass. Yes, back exactly then. right. That's when grass was grass, you know. <laughs> Not this experimental nonsense that they grew <laughs> under hydroponic lights for two years. Yeah, it's fine. <sighs> and then look what happened. It's terrible. The Cap and J Hood cut of the day coming up next on Cap and J Hood.
If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Courtney, you pointed this out. You know, now we can turn the page on the NFL season now that the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. So best odds to win the Super Bowl for next year, Chiefs are plus 550. 49ers always in the mix. You don't even know who the quarterback is. Plus 600. Bills at plus 650. Eagles at plus 800. Bengals at plus 900. And the Cowboys at plus 1600. So out of that, if I gave you the field or those teams, what do you think? Your gut feeling. Do you want me to pick one team from yeah, there? Yeah. I, I mean, or the field. I, I don't think I'd take the field. I think that the NFL is still really top heavy, and that's a group that you mentioned. It doesn't have the Chargers, and we know that Justin Herbert is is going to get extended this off season, and that his trajectory is one thing. Yeah, you know, think about a young team like the Jaguars too. On the same side of it, there's so many more in the AFC that I could understand if you want to take that field argument. the The mix here, though. I, I would put the Bengals' odds, I would flip them in the Eagles right now because Philly's team is going to come apart in a couple different ways. Not saying they can't get back to the stage, but they're about to lose both of their coordinators, maybe even their quarterback's coach, Brian Johnson, if he takes the Ravens' OC job. Mm-hmm. Defensively, this group is not going to look the same next year. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham have been playing for more than a decade. I think they're probably headed towards retirement. And then you have a group of... Free agents, James Bradbury, who has been, you know, the topic of conversation this morning. He's a free agent. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I believe. I mean, after the trade, he's going to be a free agent this coming offseason. There's a lot of pieces here that you can't just assume it's going to be the same team. They're going to pay Jalen Hurts, but how can they fit everything around him? So I, I think they can get back to the stage just because of how open the NFC is elsewhere. But I don't think that they should have better odds than the Bengals right now. You know, I still believe in Howie Roseman as a general manager. I believe that they'll be able to reload. And I think that they, Super Bowl, no, but they'll be right back in the mix. And I think that as a fan, what you want is a team that's always in the mix, meaning that they are a perennial playoff team. Everyone's not blessed to be in the Super Bowl and win it, Courtney. But if you can, as a fan, if I feel invested, like, oh, my team's always going to be good. I know Vikings fans are probably giving me a middle finger after saying that, but it's just it's the truth. Oh, no, I, I used to make that point all yeah. the time There's up there. There's nothing wrong that with that. You want, that's a franchise that takes the cool kids table but never prom queen. Yeah approach to being in the postseason and, mm-hmm. and or being a play, being a team in the NFL where the wild card round, just making it to the playoffs is an accomplishment and it's an expectation, but the steps it takes to go one, two, three rounds beyond that to get into the Super Bowl, that, honestly, those are some all-in moves that a lot of teams, I wouldn't say they're too scared to make, but like the risk reward for a lot of those things are I just think there's some teams that won't be willing to be that aggressive in pursuing what the Chiefs have done. Granted, if you land the quarterback of the generation, you're gonna be in a great spot because, you know, look at what happened. Patrick Mahomes yeah. took over last night. Jay like, Moore. What do you think about that pregame uh outfit Fletcher Cox had on, huh? <laughs> what was right. the what was the deal with like the, well, the, tie? Like the blouse or something? Yeah, that was uh it was blousy, as for sure. A little prince. Uh, my grandma used to wear that yeah. with the pearls. It looked good on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I do recall that. Yeah, throw a hat on? I just, you know what? I, I When I see Russell Westbrook, maybe for future bull, who knows, 
when I see guys dressed that way, I just think there's got to be money involved because you would not wear that and come out of the house and say, this looks good. There has to be some designer that's paying you to be able to wear fashion. It's not, it's fa- it's not even fashion forward. It's fashion, fashion backwards. Okay? Basically. <laughs> I mean, if you're wearing stuff like that, it's just like there's got to be a reason, right? Gotta be. I mean... Like the kilt that Juju Smith-Schuster wore yesterday? I mean, no one's thinking, you know what? That, that kilt... fire? It's fire, man. Yeah, we're going out with that. No. Sponsored dollars. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. One other thing before we get to the cap and J-Hood cut of the day, Courtney. Maybe you've adjusted, but I have not. And I noticed this at the Super Bowl party at my cousin Dion's house yesterday. You know, if it's more than fourth and three, I sit up a little bit taller in the, on the couch because it's added a little bit more of excitement to the NFL than you normally have because for years, for decades, for generations, back when you were covering in the 70s, this whole thing where when it's fourth down, that meant punt. Mm-hmm. Oh, no matter what. Fourth and inches, fourth and one, you punt. Fourth and three or more, and chargers to the side because they do it in a ridiculous amount. Fourth and eighth is, it makes me a little nervous. It does. When I'm watching as a fan, even if I'm not invested in the team, more than fourth and three? Oh, man, here we go. That's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, they were two of two last night on yeah. fourth down, and those felt automatic. Again, like with yeah. the QB sneaks and how aggressive Nick Sirianni is with those in-game decisions to go for it on fourth down, knowing his personnel, knowing the situation, too, where they are on the field, I didn't blink at any of those. Now, you brought up Brandon Staley. Oh, my like, God. When you're all over the place with fourth downs, you're going to get criticized for it, and rightfully so. But we live in such an analytics-heavy world where it's affecting in a good way. Like It's changing the way that games are, are called from a decision-making standpoint. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that becoming more of a trend for other teams. But again, you can't take out the human nature element of risk and yeah. some people being risk-averse. Certainly, Nick Sirianni even though he's crying during the anthem, showing a side of vulnerability and emotion, he is not risk-averse by any stretch. I think it's fantastic because that's something that was never commonplace in the NFL. When it's fourth down, it's time to punt. I don't care where the ball is, but when I see it like that, and again with the Chargers, you know, it's not playing Madden. Fourth and six, fourth and seven. I don't care what the numbers are. More than likely, you're not getting that first down. Mm -hmm. Fourth and six or fourth and seven, it's crazy. As we go now to the Cap and J-Hood Cut of the Day, brought to you by Chicago Cut Steakhouse. All right, Jay Moore, what do we have? Yo. Yes, it's boring, but it's a sport. Oh! Whatever. Cut it. It's not boring. Okay, then you're boring. All right, cut! When Mahomes needed to make a play, he was able to. Think about his ankle, too. He re-aggravated a high ankle sprain, and to come out and, frankly, show no sign of weakness... I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes thinking, whatever they shot him up with to make him superhuman, like he probably wasn't feeling anything from his waist down, frankly. And it's not just adrenaline. Are you sure? I mean, clutch my pearls. You say <laughs> you're saying that they shot him up with something? Big, yeah. big J journalist, is that what you're saying? Is that is that what you're reporting? That's gonna be on the bottom line, you know. You know, yeah, it'll be Cronin. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Holmes shot up with forty cc's of Tortorol. <laughs> that is the... can't can't confirm nor deny, but I stand by that statement. Oh my gosh. So wait, so you're going to be, is that the Captain Joe Cut of the Day brought to you by Chicago Cut Steakhouse. Try the uh, Dover Soul. It's from Delaware, apparently. So, so you're telling me that that's what it is? You're going to say that today on Around the Horn? Yeah, I'm going to come out hot. 
Oh, you're, oh, you're I'm going to change the show. Tony's not going to know what hit him. Oh, you're going to say that? You're going to say Tor? I'm going to watch and see you say that. And uh, Tordal. That's your keyword. You have to say it on the Tordal. broadcast. Tordal. You got to say What was it. I saying? Tordal? Tordal. Yeah. You got to say that today. Okay. So that way it is a shout out to the, the Cap and J Hood show. Okay. So we need that as a keyword. Is that, that fair, Shay? She's got to say something. Tordal, yeah. That's Tordal. it. Okay. So. I might go get a shot of it right now. <laughs> I don't think you need that. I don't think that's a good idea. No. Give me a little adrenaline rush. Oh, I don't. I mean, show's over. You're good now. I gotta go get ready for the rest Tornall of the day. should have been Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> so that's so. As a shout out to the show, you gotta say that word. I'm gonna find a way to work it in. Yes, which I and I'll be a winner. There'll be all kind of exploding graphics over you. and if I win, Yeah, if I, win, if I win, my FaceTime will be toward all. <laughs> so it's going to be da 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 Championship da-da. games cannot be made possible without this incredible miracle drug. What are we doing, Dad? We thank you for listening and calling and switching and being part of the program here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Jay Moore. For Courtney Cronin and for Cap, it's Jay Hood. Why don't we do this tomorrow at 7, you and I? Let's do it. Tomorrow at 7, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. So long, everybody. From Chicago.